Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel with me as always on the show. And today is another position preview. Uh, before, we're going to look at the tight end position in particular. This is a, a wide open position group for the Ducks in 2020. But first, I want to remind you guys out there today that if you want to subscribe to DuckTerritory.com, you can do so for $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that. Or you could use the annual membership Build one time $75.18, save over $36 compared to the monthly rate by subscribing with an annual membership. Both get you inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. Read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network. And you also get CBS All Access, which carries a ton of streaming capabilities, live shows, movies, on-demand, sports. It comes, it's a total package for CBS All Access. Good, good additional add-on to your subscription there. And subscribing to DuckTerritory.com is the biggest and most impactful way of supporting this show, keeping the show rolling, continuing it uh, to be produced. Uh, but if, if you can't subscribe to DuckTerritory.com, that's totally fine. There are other ways that you can still support the show in a big way. First and foremost, uh, give us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. That could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, what have you. Just give us a review that helps us there. And then secondly, uh, make sure to click that subscribe to podcast button on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. That way your device gets immediately uploaded and notified when we upload a new show, which right now with football season quickly approaching is turning into a daily thing. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well. That's free. Uh, and we want to we want to note real quick uh, before we dive into this tight end position preview. Lots to cover on this on this show. Uh, typically Wednesdays are mailbag days. We've kind of paused that because we want to run through our position previews. We don't want to stop. We want to just really power through these previews. We've we've done quarterback. We've done running back. We've done receiver. Now today is the tight end position. It's on a Wednesday, but typically is a, a mailbag. We will get back to those once we resume or once we finish up. Uh, our position preview. So hopefully potentially next week uh, we will be back doing the mailbag. All right, Eric tight end position for Oregon. And and I said this um, on a podcast and I think last week or two weeks ago, when we were talking about just the overall unit of the offensive side of the football and that this position group truly feels like, it's a sliding scale from extremely low, you know, low, low ceiling potential to extremely high ceiling potential. Uh, we could see any number of guys end up winning the job as the starting tight end, tight end number one with this group. There are five tight ends on scholarship. Cam McCormick, Hunter, Camp Moyer, Spencer Webb, Patrick Herbert, DJ Johnson. They list two more tight ends on the roster and walk-ons Cooper Schultz, who's a freshman and Tyler Nanny, who's a redshirt freshman. Uh, a lot of position group, a lot of guys in this position 
a, a, a wide range of talents at that. And I still feel like, and we'll, t- we'll, we'll run through all the rest of position groups, but I feel like I still have the, the, like maybe the least grasp of what's going on in this group of any, um, you know, and, and part of that is we're not at practice. So we, we don't get to see who's really running with the ones and the twos. Um, and the other part is we've asked now Joe Moorhead and Mario Cristobal in the past week or so, just kind of what's going on there. And they've both been pretty coy in terms of not showing their hand um, of just, and, and it makes sense to a certain extent, you know, for Moorhead in particular um, hasn't had, I don't think at the time when he spoke, hadn't had a single padded practice to see these guys. And that's of course a big part of this position. And I think, as he said, you want your tight ends to catch the ball like a receiver. This is a Joe Moorhead quote, and you want them to block like an offensive lineman. So the blocking part, he hasn't had a chance to really assess that with pads on. So I, I get that part, but I really still feel like, I mean, genuinely, I feel like it could be one of three or four guys' job at this point. I really do. I think DJ Johnson, to me, just because he's making the transition from defensive line, feels like maybe the the, the one I would say I feel least confident about. But like, you, I could be convinced that like Hunter Campmore started a bunch of games last season. I know he's not everyone's favorite because he's not a great pass catcher, but the, dude, the dude's a great blocker. Uh, I know that's an underrated part of that, but as Joe Moorhead, that quote I said a second ago, indicates like they really value that part of the game, and he's certainly a fantastic blocker. Um, Cam McCormick is somebody who for years have been waiting to, to blow up and have a, you know, a breakout season. Maybe he's finally healthy and ready to do that. We don't know exactly where he's at. Spencer Webb is, I think everyone's kind of like, okay, he's the one who could really be special because he's such a great pass catcher. Well, it's the flip side of what we talked about with, with Cam Moore of like supposedly he's not been a great blocker. And that's a part he needs to work on. And that's part of the reason last year, even when he was pretty effective in the passing game and he did have, um, well, far and away, the most receiving yards and receptions of any returning tight end um, at 18 catches for 209 yards and and three touchdowns. Most of those were him out wide. Like he wasn't even attached to the offensive line because he wasn't being used as a blocker. And then, of course, you have Patrick Herbert, who's just a very intriguing redshirt freshman. We know who his brother is, um, somebody who showed, I think, some in practice last year showed some signs of being really good and everybody was really high on him but frankly didn't play very much so uh again I, i'm running down this going like there's four guys i really I, and i really don't know whose job this is going to be i think and i wouldn't be surprised at all if we see a camp start the season at tight end just because he does have that experience and then one of these other guys and i was going to say younger but mccormick's like 37 um so he doesn't factor into the younger part but uh, but one of these other players we haven't seen quite as much, um, you know, take over the job as the season goes on. But I, again, I, I think maybe Matt disagrees. I just this is the position group I probably have the, the least feel on right now. Yeah, it, it's up in the air, and and I think it's going to be a a committee approach at least going into fall camp. Maybe someone expose, maybe someone you know rises to the top and and uh, really separates themselves from the rest of the group. And I, I think what you look at this group is. There's a little bit of everything in, in, in this group. Um, Spencer Webb is, like you said, a little bit more of a receiving guy. Uh, he played in the slot for Oregon, that receiver, <laughs> last season uh, when there was some injuries at, at that position and they needed some bodies there. Uh, the Ducks felt like, you know what, let's, let's pull Spencer Webb away from the tight end spot and play him as kind of like a, a jumbo receiver, uh, unique deal there. And – you know, so he's kind of your your receiving threat guy. Um, Hunter Campmore, like you said, is really your your extension of an offensive tackle, if you will. He he has had some plays called upon him on him and to make uh, you know receiving yards and catches down the field uh, at the tight end spot. But he's primarily known for his blocking, like you went through, and then 
you know, McCormick and, and Herbert are, are, and I guess we'll throw Johnson in there as well, are kind of hybrids um, of those styles of, of tight end. Uh, they're a little bit more mobile. Um, and McCormick in particular, Eric, he's the wild card, right? Like I look at him and think, look, this was a guy in 2017, played 13 games for the Ducks as a redshirt freshman. He started two games. He kind of came on late in the year. You felt like, boy, he could be Oregon's second tight end going into the 2018 season paired with Jacob Breland. And not only was he Oregon's second tight end, he actually beat out Jacob Breland for the starting job, a position Breland had in 2017, but then had to give it up to McCormick as a redshirt sophomore because in 2018 he was just so good in fall camp. Played in one game, one start, basically more like one quarter, if I remember right. Um, before having a gruesome leg injury in 2018, which came against Bowling Green. And then he, he was trying to be healthy, trying to be ready for the 2019 season and just could never get right, could never just physically and mentally get right and had to take a medical redshirt year, never played a game in 2019. So he's played in basically one half of football in the last two seasons, but Every time we talk to Cristobal, every time we talk to Bobby Williams, every time we talk to players on the team, the idea is when healthy, Cam McCormick draws these rave reviews. So if he can stay healthy, maybe he's maybe he is the guy. Well, I think the thing that makes him exciting, and I should note, and I've said this before, I think I've had him on my offensive breakout player story for like four years running now. <laughs> it's like every year we're like, this is Cam McCormick's season. And then unfortunately, he's had a ton of injuries. Um, and I still think it could be this season, but I think the thing that makes him enticing is we, we know he's a good pass catcher. We've seen a little bit of that. And, and what we've heard is just a really good inline blocker too, um, which you get excited about. When we talk about, again, what I said earlier, what Moorhead values those the two things. He's obviously not alone in, in terms of how he evaluates that position. But I think McCormick has, in terms of the guys on the roster, it feels like, well, from our perspective, we missed, we have not seen fall camp yet, but feels like the most complete tight end. Again, like Camp Moyer and Webb have pretty clear holes in their game, or at least have in the past. And Patrick Herbert's a redshirt freshman who is probably going to take some time to, to kind of round out his game. And DJ Johnson is a converted defensive lineman. And that's, a, that's he's the complete mystery bag guy. But like we, for everything we've heard about McCormick is he can do it all. And, and you're I mean, like it gets lost a little bit of like Jacob Breland was an awesome player for Oregon on pace to probably have the best. Well, I'm not going to say probably. He was on pace to have the best tight end individual receiving season in program history last year before he goes down halfway through the season um McCormick was supposedly just as much as equal if not a little better you know and you think about how good Breland was and I think that should get people excited now it's just a matter of can he be healthy for a full season and you know he missed the two seasons we should also note his um his redshirt freshman season when Willie Taggart was here he was one of the players that was part of that um you know he went and got rhabdo after the, the the training incident you know Oregon fans probably don't want to hear that brought up because that's kind of an embarrassing thing. But, like, he's had a lot of health things that he's had to deal with through his time in Oregon. And, you know, again, you don't want to – I'm not singling him out saying we're rooting for him, but he's, you know, for the position. But, like, he's an easy guy to root for in terms of everything he's had to overcome. You know, he's, he's a native from Bend. Um, you know, you, you just kind of hope at some point it comes together for him. And, and he has a real opportunity now with Breland yep. gone, with, with Ryan Bay gone, for this to be his job. What's expected of this group? You feel like, uh, you know, from from an impact position, do you look at the tight end spot and think 
because last couple of years, Jacob Breland, when he was in the position group and when he was healthy, particularly, especially in 2019, before he got hurt, he was on pace to have an All-American type year for Oregon. He was Justin Herbert's go-to target um, in 2019. He was kind of the reliable look-to guy in 2018, especially in 2017. Um, is that the expectation for this position group that, hey, whoever wins the job, you need to be the safety valve for whoever wins the quarterback battle? Really quickly on, on Breland, he was – far and away from a per game perspective, Oregon's most productive pass catcher last year, you know, per game, he had the most catches, the most yards, the most touchdowns on I mean, average one touchdown per game last year. He finished second on the team with six touchdowns. That's pretty remarkable um, in six games. But yeah, I, I, I think a part of it is, is going to be what Joe Moorhead wants to do offensively. And if you go back and look at kind of the numbers from what you've seen at, at various stops, it's kind of varied a little bit. Uh, you know, Penn state seemed like they utilize their tight end a little more than they did at Mississippi state. Mississippi State seems like they ran the ball a lot, and I think some of that is personnel-related, and that Moorhead said as much on Saturday when we spoke with him of it's going to be kind of a mixed bag of personnel and then also what the system he runs. So I think it's kind of a TBD, and part of it really is like who, who ends up winning this job. And like if it's, you know, and I, I could see them using multiple guys in multiple situations like they've done in the past and having a couple guys that are primarily blockers. Cantwell is obviously the number one there, and if – you know, maybe, you know, maybe we're sleeping on Cantmore a little bit and he can be someone who's really developed as a pass catcher this offseason and he comes out and, and is, is a viable option there. I know he shed some weight, um, but like, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's kind of hard to gauge exactly what to expect from this group just because there's so much uncertainty. I look at it and think like, I, I think Spencer Webb and Patrick Herbert and Cam McCormick are, are all capable of being good pass catchers. I, DJ Johnson athletically is the best of that group and probably a guy that if you threw him out and you could just get him the ball in space would be, certainly one of the more exciting players to do that. Cause I, I think he ran like what, like a four, eight, four, four, nine, 40 at 260 or 270 pounds last year. I mean, he's, he's certainly athletic. So there's a lot of reasons to be enthusiastic you know, enthusiastic and optimistic with this group. But to me, I'm still just like, there's too many question marks to really know. And, and I guess, I, I guess I'll just say it this way of like, if this offense uses, you know, if this offense is going to throw the ball a little bit more than we've seen in the past, which I, think we might see although i'm not i don't know i think it could be pretty balanced i think the tight end group has got enough talent to be to be involved with it and I, part of it is just going to come down to i guess what moorhead sees from this group and, and the best that they can get out of them. i think the one guy for me who could basically go from a potential being a guy that doesn't really play at all to maybe someone that is one of the best tight ends in the country could potentially be Spencer Webb. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really, th I think he is Oregon's best receiving threat at the tight end position. Um, like by far, he is extremely fluid, very quick for his size, very athletic for his size. He's huge. Uh, he's six, six. Um, I, I go back every time I think, when we talk about tight ends and just replay in my mind, the, the catch he had and against Auburn week one last year for that touchdown yeah. and just how viral that was and how impressive that was. But his blocking is always what's kind of kept him from a, a bigger role. And it's almost like, it feels like if, if Oregon, maybe we'll end, we'll end the show here. Um, if, if Oregon is at their best at the tight end position group, they need one or two guys, you know, they probably need two or three guys really do establish themselves as a clear-cut group. I think Hunter Camp Moyer is one of those three. 
he is going to be limited in what he does as a, as a receiving threat though. And so he's kind of going to be your, your bell cow on run plays at that position. And if, and if Cam McCormick can get himself healthy and stay healthy, he might be your, your best overall balanced guy, but Spencer Webb could be the one that really takes the group from being, you know, middle of the pack, you know, pack 12 group of, yeah, they're solid, you know, there's, but, but there's not like a game breaker or there's not like a, it's not a unit that you say they're definitively the best unit in the pack 12, but I think Spencer Webb could be that guy where if, if he becomes the legit third tight end and plays at a high level and can block just as well as he can be a threat in the receiving game, then all of a sudden Oregon's tight end group, in my eyes, makes that jump to being the group where it's, hey, you know what? They're not just middle of the Pac-12 good. They're, they might be the best unit in the Pac-12. I, I really think that's a potential landing spot for this position group as a whole is they could be, in my eyes, the best group in the Pac-12, and to, to say that two years ago is mind-boggling. He's pretty clearly like the highest upside guy in this group, right? I mean, and I know we can probably include Patrick Herbert just because we haven't seen him very much yet, but like Spencer Webb, you throw on the NFL games on Sunday, or I guess on Thursday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday now because they're playing <laughs> a, a ton of different days. Maybe we'll get a Wednesday here at some point. But um, you throw on the games and like he – he looks like the guys you're watching. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he has an NFL body. He's got the NFL uh, athleticism. He's shown the hands. Like the sky's the limit for Spencer Webb. And, and I think that's what's so enticing. And I, I, think, I think you're right. Like to me, the best case scenario for the tight end position is Spencer Webb takes a big step, takes this completely, you know, takes ownership of this position, is the clear cut guy all season and is just a monster and becomes. The, one of the best receiving tight ends Oregon has had. Um, and that to me is the best case. And I don't know if that, like, I don't think that's like, I'm not like 90% sure that's happening, right? Like, it, like there's definitely a lot of reasons that it couldn't happen, but like, I don't think it's far-fetched either to think we're going to be saying, you know, after the season in December of like, boy, was Spencer Webb really the difference maker and a big key reason why this offense took a big step. Maybe, maybe we include Herbert in that Patrick Herbert. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I, like part of me, I go back to high school and watching what he did and hearing what we, we heard from inside the program when he showed up and physical freak and he's going to be a difference maker, uh, going to be a guy that, that Oregon hasn't had as a tight end position. And look, he, he certainly flashed a lot in practice, but at the same time, he only played in two games for Oregon. He wasn't, I, I think, kind of what was maybe billed out to be. And I don't want to be so negative on him, but maybe, it, maybe we, were, we were a little too optimistic uh, and, and it doesn't mean he can't become that type of a guy, but maybe he just needs a couple years to physically develop because he has bulked up considerably since he's gotten here. And he was already a big dude, but maybe he just needs that year and a half. And maybe so at the tail end of 2020 season, we, we see the Patrick Herbert that we were hearing about, you know, when he showed up as a true freshman last fall. And, and, and that feels like I'm being critical of him when it, it shouldn't be. Uh, and that's not my intent, but I just think maybe – Maybe he's just a year behind, but maybe if, if best case scenario, he accelerates his development a little bit and he really pushes Spencer Webb. And he's the other one, I think, that has that kind of NFL look to him, at least, and again, in, in limited opportunities just in practice because he really didn't play any games last year. But I, I think he fits that mold along with Spencer of like, he, he, has, he looks the part and, and he has the skill set. And I, I, I watched him quite a bit at Sheldon and it was like, you know, it's, it's Eugene talent and we're not – known for having elite football high school talent in the city of Eugene frequently. 
but he was just a different animal from the guys he was playing against. And, and I'm excited to see what that might look like for him at Oregon. Do you think there's any guy on this roster that would justify moving positions? Like I look at this group and feel like they're all pretty much set in stone of who they are. You mean a tight end moving to a different position? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is notable that they carry five. Like that's a, that's that's not a small number. Um, like DJ Johnson would make the most sense, but he he just moved. <laughs> so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say and he had we should say Hunter Campmar, also a former defensive lineman that moved yep. over. So two of these five guys have already played on the other side of the ball. So like those guys would make sense if if there's a bunch of defensive end injuries. But the other guys to me feel like I mean especially Webb and Herbert are like I think those guys have NFL futures at this possession a position potentially, um, and I just can't see them playing. It really anywhere else, unless we see Spencer Webb play receiver a little bit again, like we saw last year, which I wouldn't like completely count out just seeing him used like, I mean, we see it, you see it in the NFL now um, where you see these talented guys that are tight ends sometimes utilized basically as receivers and just have them line yeah. up out wide. Like I could see Spencer getting that sort of treatment and maybe Patrick too, just because of what talents we know they, they have as pass catchers. And I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see if, you know, if, if Oregon goes with, we saw this a lot last year, you know, th- two and three tight end sets. Mm-hmm. And if you use tight end sets that require three guys, you're going to have to have four or five guys on the roster at that position, just from a depth perspective. So, you know, maybe they're kind of at that, that sweet spot where they've got enough where they can kind of really do anything position, you know, personnel wise. Uh, and at the same time, maybe have enough where they can redshirt a guy. Maybe you really can't redshirt anybody because they're all redshirted. Um, now, but at the same time, so maybe it's just a sweet spot from a numbers perspective that you know, moving anybody doesn't relatively make any sense. So uh, good, I, good, good in-depth look here at the tight end position. One in which, quite honestly, I, I think I speak for Eric here. There's a lot of question marks going into the 2020 football season, not only of just who starts, but how are they used? How many guys is Oregon plan to use on a regular basis? Uh, what's their base formations offensively and how does that fit in with the tight end spot? Um, what does Joe Moorhead want out of the tight end? What does he expect from a production standpoint out of the tight end spot? Uh, a lot of questions around this group on and off the football field of kind of what is the pecking order and depth chart and who's the leader, who's who's the go-to guy. Is there a go-to guy in this group? What's the ceiling? What's the floor? We're going to find that all out here in a couple of weeks as the season really kicks off. Oregon will play their first game against Stanford at home uh, to start the 2020 football season. So look forward for some more previews as we get closer to that. Position-wise, we've got an offensive line preview coming up. We'll also dip into the defensive line here shortly uh, and then move to linebacker into the, into the secondary, and then we'll talk some special teams here on the podcast. I want to remind you guys to please – like and subscribe to the podcast it's free make sure to get all our our new updates of our of shows sent directly to your device make sure to give us a review those help us tremendously if, if you enjoy the show please 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 give us a review uh on itunes stitcher spotify google Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to the show give us a review that helps us tremendously and the most impactful way to help us continue doing this show is to subscribe to duckterritory.com and you can do so for $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that. So for Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prem. You've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.